Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz. And I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions as your message will not be registered but you may still be charged. Also, please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, this is To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr, a show that proves that different political opinions do not have to end in feuds and the breakdown of friendships. My name is George Cup, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, Callum Gurr. Good evening, everybody. That's right, George is a hardline Brexiteer and true blue conservative, whereas I'm a Lib Dem and Ramona. But despite these different standpoints, we are still good friends. Tonight we'll be discussing the following. Who should be the next Liberal Democrats leader? Which of these policies would you want to be implemented? And do you prefer hot or cold weather? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic. But first, last week, we asked you to uh, send in your opinions on this question. If you could introduce one policy tomorrow... What would it be? And as always, you guys have been um, sending us loads of messages. And our first one comes from Olivia. And she says, I might sound like a broken record, but I think we need to lower tuition fees so that more people can afford higher education. I don't think everyone should go to university. But if you want to, then money shouldn't be the reason you can't go. And you shouldn't have to spend literally the rest of your life paying back your tuition fees. It's madness. How can we compete with the smartest people around the world if students can't even afford to go to university in the first place? Callum? 
Um, well, I mean, for, firstly, I don't think you do sound like a, a broken record, Olivia, because um, in the previous poll we ran about um, kind of what we should do about undergraduate s- student fees and the kind of situation around undergraduate students. I've, uh, the top option that came out in the end, I believe, was uh, lower tuition fees. So so I think it's very much an p- opinion that's very popular. Um Personally, I I, I I agree with the principle of lowering tuition fees, but I think the more kind of pressing uh, issue would be to uh, make sure that maintenance support becomes grants again rather than being loans. Uh, because uh, as Olivia says, in terms of uh, money shouldn't be the reason you can't go to university. Um, I completely agree. And, and that's why uh, having maintenance support, support as loans is worse almost than than high tuition fees because at least tuition fees everyone has to pay the same amount uh, roughly uh, whereas with the maintenance loans if the, if they are loans then it means that poor people will end up paying more or those for, whose parents are less well off will end up paying more and have more debt than what um, people from more well-off backgrounds are so I think as the kind of first step I think that should be it in terms of um, making the maintenance grants again but I, I broadly do agree with the principle maybe of looking at uh, kind of how high at the moment we're, we're looking at for tuition fees what about you George where do you stand on this well I think it's it's really unfortunate and it's because of the um, current political arguments that have been going on around tuition fees but I, I think there has been a massive fear that has been raised around tuition fees about how much it might cost and having this debt above your head and everything and I think it's wrong wrong because at the end of the day these tuition fees that have come in um you can get loans for them and these loans mean that people can go to university um and we've seen more people from working class backgrounds get into university because of student loans um and i mean yes tuition fees are at the highest they have ever been um and i do agree that we should lower tuition fees but i i don't think they should be seen to be this very scary thing you don't start paying them back until you earn over twenty five thousand pounds and when you earn twenty five thousand pounds you hardly pay back anything by the time you're 50 these student loans will get um, will get um, completely cleared as it is and I just think that that it's we shouldn't be so scared about going to university if you're going to be faced with a loan you know I currently have a a debt of uh, about 40,000 pounds but I haven't even haven't well I've just started paying it back but for the first year or so I was working I, I haven't been paying it back and and it's not something you should be afraid of because it's it's not a, a, a debt that you're going to it's going to affect you getting mortgages it's not going to affect you getting a, a loan car or a car on finance or anything like that and it, it is something that is in place to believe it or not that has actually helped more less off people into universities yeah no for sure moving on to um the next policy that we've had in uh, is from will will says i don't know how we would do this but we need to protect the nhs every single person in this country benefits from the nhs in so many ways not just the fact that we get healthcare free at the point of access but the extremely high standard it sets for private healthcare too if the nhs wasn't so good do you think that private healthcare would be as good as it is i've I know there are lots of really important things that keep a country running, but I do think healthcare is the most important thing. If the people in your country aren't healthy, then you can't do anything. I mean, what do you think of that, George, protecting the NHS as a policy? 
I mean, absolutely. I think it's quite key that we we do protect the NHS. And as of, as far as I'm aware, um, I don't know what the the Brexit Party stance is because I they've only just recently uh, released their manifesto, and I haven't I had the chance to read it yet. But yeah, um, I I as far as I'm aware, every current political party wants to protect the NHS in different ways, absolutely. But they all want to protect the NHS, and I don't feel that there is any level of um, it going uh, being privatised anytime soon. I certainly, as a conservative, I believe that it should be free to at uh, points of use, and I don't believe that it should be privatised as much as people might think the conservatives want to privatise it. As long as I'm part of the conservatives, I hope that it it isn't, and I believe there are a lot of people uh, in the conservatives that have that opinion. Um, and, and I think it's it's so important. You know, the NHS is actually probably one of the things. If you ask someone from a different country what they think of the UK, I'm sure maybe the NHS would come up in conversation because it's one of those massive things that we do so well in this country and it is so um, cherished and because of that it would be so wrong if we uh, were to privatise it and get rid of it and go to a American based scheme for healthcare but what 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 do you think Callum? Yeah no I mean I, I agree I mean it's 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 one of those things where as a Brit you'll find very very rare that people would not want to protect the NHS uh, and would, would there, there's not many people that are, argue for a kind of private system sim, similar to what the US have. Um, so, so I think, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with that as a policy will. I mean, I, I imagine, as you say, George, there will be some um, disagreements between the parties about how we go about protecting the NHS. Um, but it, I think the broad principle is absolutely correct. No, absolutely. Um, our final message is from Jamal. And uh, they say this is controversial, but I would introduce a universal basic income because I actually think it could save this country a lot of money. I haven't done the maths, but think about it. If you paid everyone £1,000 a month, then you wouldn't have to spend as much money on benefits. Poverty would decrease, so spending in poverty would go down. Society would be more peaceful because people wouldn't feel the need to commit crime as, as much. So the cost of policing would go down. I think the benefits really are there. That's probably the only communist policy that I support but I don't think we should write it off just because it would cost uh, uh, 792 billion pounds okay I have done some of the maths uh, when that is nearly the same as what the government receives in taxes every year the amount of which would go up if more people had more money to spend thoughts Callum yeah I mean I completely agree with the principle of a universal basic income and, and I think um, Jamal's dead right in saying that uh, the benefits really are there because I think we talk a lot on this program and politics in general talks about that we need to actually tackle the root causes of things like the root causes of poverty, the root causes of knife crime, the root causes of, of racism and prejudice. And I actually think, funnily enough, that universal basic income, OK, it's not the golden bullet or anything like that for these problems. But I do think it will better tackle the root causes of some some of these kind of underlying evils within society. Um, and I know I also think in terms of it being a communist esque policy, um, I, I actually think that's one of the great things about universal basic income, because you could all easily make an argument that it's it's a very kind of capitalist, pro-capitalist policy as well, UBI. So. Uh, I think that's one of the good things because it kind of transcends left and right. Just very quickly, George, what do you think of that policy? Um, I, I'm in the personal opinion that it's a, a very good policy 
policy in principle, but I think if it actually came into action, it would be very hard to do. If we started taking away people's benefits, it would be very hard to try and say how much people should have. I mean, if it's universal, then obviously everyone gets the same amount, but people on benefits are assessed and get a certain amount of benefits. And I think it would cost this country a lot of money and it would take a very long time to implement it. And I, and I, I personally feel like it wouldn't be as beneficial as it might seem as planned out. And the, the argument that if um, everyone's on universal basic income, we, the government will receive more taxes. That's not necessarily true because it would mean we'd have to lower the income tax bracket. And as such, then people would lose money. And I just think it's very complicated. Um, right. OK, so remember, we will be announcing what the question will be for you to send in your opinions on at the end of tonight's show. So make sure you're ready for that, for the chance to be featured in this segment of next week's show. But it's now time for our first song break of this evening. So we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So on to our second topic of this evening and we are asking who should be the next Liberal Democrats leader? So Vince Cable will stand down as leader of the Liberal Democrats next month, paving the way for a permanent successor. Cable's replacement will inherit a party in better shape than it has been for a number of years, buoyed by its large gains in the recent local and European elections and by the party nearly doubling its vote share with most pollsters in recent months. The two candidates for the leadership are former junior junior equalities minister Joe Swinson and former secretary of state for energy and climate change Ed Davey. Ed's campaign pitches to decarbonise capitalism and build a government of national unity to stop Brexit, whereas Joe promises to build an economy that puts people and the planet first and spearhead a Remain alliance to end Brexit. George, based upon these very top-line pitches and what you know of the candidates previously, who should be the next Liberal Democrats' leader? Um, Nick Clegg. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, nice, nice. We were we just talking Nick- about lower intuition fees, George. We can't then go Nick Clegg, can we? Oh, God, yeah. Sorry, I forgot I can't mention that name when we talk about tuition fees. <laughs> um, I, I think I think if I'm honest with you, in a, in a way, I think you, uh, the Lib Dems have got a harder choice than um, we do in the Conservatives because in the Conservatives, it's been they're quite um, different characters and have very different approaches. Whereas I think... Um, and they're from different different sides of the political spectrum in within the Conservative Party. Yeah. Whereas um, from what I know, um, Ed Davies and Joe Swinson kind of bat from the same side in terms of where they stand on on political um, on the political spectrum. And, and also, I think they are very similar in what they want to achieve within the Lib Dems and the and the, the policies that they want want to try and implement i mean i think some of the wording is slightly different but at the end of the day they want to get to the same goals which obviously is good because they are both lib dems but personally if i was a lib dem voter not that i ever would be um and if i was a lib dem member god i shiver goes down my back when i say that um (laughs) i think i would be putting my vote in the box for ed davies um I believe that first thing I'm going to say why it was not Joe Swinson. I, I believe that Joe Swinson is a is a very good um, 
campaigner. I think she can be. Uh, she's got some very strong policies that she wants to bring forward to the Lib Dems. Um, and also she it would be fantastic to see the Lib Dems have a female um, leader. But yeah. for me, I think in current politics, we need you need someone that is quite boisterous, that can be quite loud when when speaking, and is is quite stern in some ways. And I, I personally think Ed Davies can be that person. Um, when you've got someone like Jeremy Corbyn on the same side of the house as you, I believe you need someone that can shout above his voice. Um, and also, this is my own personal view, I think Ed Davies would be more likely to start bringing the Lib Dems back to the centre-right, when where I personally believe that's where the Lib Dems should be, and I, I think that's where the Lib Dems could create a lot of ground, um, even more so than they have. And <laughs> as much as I don't like to, to talk about stopping Brexit, I think getting a coalition of cross-party MPs would be a fantastic way to uh, be able to get an agreement across all different parties on how to put a stop to Brexit and actually have a vote within the House, um, which could actually have a majority and pass in a way forward of how to sort out Brexit. Um, because there's always been this kind of partisan politics that goes on no one has been voting for each other's bills whereas if um, Ed Davies reached out to other MPs from different parties I think that there could be an approach um, a reasonable approach that it, a vote could get through for a second referendum if, if there was that truly cross-party negotiation and agreement um, and that is why I do believe that Ed Davies is the best person to to lead the Liberal Democrats further forward than they are and better than they already are doing um, and if Ed Davies was to go further to centre-right, if we needed them, then the Lib Dems could come back into coalition with us. Um, but obviously, this is your playground, Callum. So I will um, hand this over to you. Would you rather be on the Davies slide or the Swinson swing? Wow. Um, well, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not too surprised i suppose to hear that you'd rather ed davy uh, he is more kind of center right or at least he's more right wing in terms of within a lib dem perspective than what joe swinson is although they're both generally from more of the kind of right of the party anyway i would say um and and i think ed's had a good campaign in many ways i think he's probably substantiated himself more in terms of policies than what Joe Swinson has done. So he's talked about um, the fact that, as I said in the introduction, that he wants to decarbonise capitalism and turn London essentially into the green finance centre of the world. Because at the moment, um, London is almost like the polluting centre of the world in, in how much money uh, the city of London and the financial districts of London actually put into um, fossil fuel um, using companies and the industries and things like this um so we quite often talk about in terms of climate change that oh well we can only do so much as the uk uh, because obviously our actual net emissions are quite low but actually if you think about how much business london does with the rest of the world you can see that actually even within a uk perspective we can have a massive impact so i think because ed has been making the case for this i think it's it's shown a lot of sense it's very much listening to the way that the the wind is is blowing at the moment in terms of um environmental politics has become mass, mass, much more important and rightly so um so so i think he's he's been good in that sense uh, i think he also does have a more polished delivery style than what joe swinson tends to have 
Um, I think he's very good at delivering a speech, as you say, George, and, and kind of shouting very loudly about things. Um, but personally, I will be back in uh, Joe Swinson, I think, although I, I, I say that I'm going to, I am going to watch this uh, leadership debate, which is on Sky this week, uh, tomorrow, I think, uh, and I will then make my final decision. But at the moment, I'm thinking I'm going to back Joe Swinson. Um, I, I think she's shown herself in the campaign to be to, to have um, or to be open to policies that I am very much in favour of. So um, she's talked about in terms of drug policy, having a more public health model to, to tackling drug policy and, and, and trying to reduce drug use rather than the criminal justice model, um, which I think is something that um, has been we've been crying out for for years. Uh, and also she's shown signs of being more open to universal basic income than what Ed Davey has. Although Ed Davey, I will say, hasn't ruled out either at all. Uh, I think also um, she seems to have more cross-party appeal, Joe Swinson. Um, so Sarah Wollaston uh, recently actually name-checked Joe Swinson uh, in an article kind of talking about whether or not she'd ever consider joining the Liberal Democrats and Although she didn't kind of outright say it, it seemed to suggest that she may well consider joining the Liberal Democrats if Joe Swinson was leader. And it kind of implies maybe if Ed Davey was leader, she wouldn't be so inclined to that. And also, I suppose the final reason is that Joe Swinson, as I said, she is a bit more left wing than what um, Ed Davey is. And, and obviously, I, I would class myself as more more left wing. And I completely disagree with you, George, in that the Lib Dem should pitch themselves as some kind of centre-right party because I don't think that's ever where we've really had electoral success. Um, so, so I think um, we'll be much better um, going kind of centre-left. Obviously, with um, Labour being so far left, it's it's not ideal as such, but that that's just the kind of reality that we face anyway. And, and I, I don't think we can outright wing the Conservative Party or the Brexit Party or, or whoever it is. So, that, so that's why I would say that kind of Joe Swinson's approach to this is much better. Um, well, sorry, George, carry on. What was uh, what? What's your opinion on uh, Joe Swinson coming out and saying that uh, she thinks that the Lib Dems can win the next general election? <laughs> uh, I think it's, it's nice to see ambition, isn't it? Um, uh, and I think we wouldn't really expect her to say any less. We have to be frank and say it's highly highly unlikely that that <laughs> happens but oh i would also say that ed davy has also talked about doing a government of national unity and he's kind of suggested that the prime minister under those circumstances might be like hillary ben or yvette cooper um but even so that is seems incredibly unlikely to me at the moment too um so so i think yeah i mean obviously you do point out a good a good point george in terms of the Obviously, maybe some of the things Joe said has not always been great. Although I will just very quickly say about Ed as well, another reason why I'm less likely to back him is he's shown quite an error of judgment this past week. Uh, so first of all, of all he'd done an interview with Mumsnet, um, which is considered in some circles to be quite a transphobic forum. Um, so obviously that's a big error of judgment, but also, as you know, George, probably personally, uh, his decapitate Boris comment was obviously a step too far, especially in the, in the wake of the Joe Cox attack during the, or the Joe Cox murder rather, uh, during the uh, referendum campaign. And 
we shouldn't ever be inciting violence against a political figure, no matter kind of how abhorrent we hold their views. And uh, Davey yeah. has apologised for that, but I think it just showed an, a, an error of judgment and maybe getting a bit carried away. I mean, George, just before we go to the song break, do you have any idea who you think might win this poll? I mean, probably half the listeners are like, who, who are these people? It's the, one of the problems. <laughs> um, yeah, it's very true. I mean, who are these people? It's very true. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think probably I'm going to say Joe Swinson will win this. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Because I think um, the people that know the two candidates, I think they're more likely to go for Joe Swinson. Because as I said, I think she has that more cross-party appeal. Because I'm well aware that probably not loads of our listeners are Lib Dems. Yes. Right then, time to go on to our second song break of this evening. But remember to vote on this poll. Who should be the next Liberal Democrats leader? So those options are Joe Swinson or Ed Davey. You can do that with radio.co.uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So before the break, we asked who should be the next Liberal Democrats leader. Uh, and you guys have been voting away. So 71% of you said Joe Swinson should be, compared to 29% of you that have said Ed Davey should be. I mean, George, do you think we should take that as a kind of endorsement of Joe Swinson? Or do you think it is also a little bit of um, maybe people not actually knowing these politicians anyway, so kind of going off of our prediction? Um, I think I possibly, but I also think that Joe Swinson appeals to the younger voter a lot more than Ed Davies does. Um, Ed Davies, sorry, does. Um, and I think coming to it when it comes to the election, it will be quite uh, interesting to see whether it will be the older part of the Liberal, Liberal Democrats that that actually comes out and votes, or whether it will be the younger ones that carry Joe Swinson to the top. Yes, yeah. I'd hope everyone would vote in the, in terms of the membership, because if you're going to pay for a membership, you might as well vote. But I suppose there will be some who don't. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. So let's move on to our third discussion of this evening. And we're asking the question, which of these policies would you want to be implemented? So Callum and I wanted to wanted to discuss further the opinions that came in during our first discussion topic and we wanted to know out of the following policies which would you choose as there are many different policies so it will be interesting to know which you think should be the one that is implemented the most and the options are lower tuition fees protect the nhs from privatization universal basic income more funding for social care and proportional representation in the uk general election Callum, what are you going for? And if you could go for that one, what would you choose next? Um, it's it's a bit of a toss up for me, I suppose, between uh, universal basic income and proportional representation. So, um, me and you, George, obviously both we added in an extra policy each. We did each. Uh, yeah. So I added in um, proportional representation, which, you know, I, I think it would be. It would be a massive change in our politics because I think suddenly people's votes would actually count for something, whereas in a hell of a lot of seats, unfortunately, people's votes really don't matter that much. Uh, I think with talk of kind of Remain alliances or progressive alliances and things like that, maybe that is a way of within a quite a confined system for people's votes to mean more. Um, but even so, I think with proportional representation, it would 
mean there'll be no need really for for these kind of alliances and and, and i also think it would just encourage a more kind of cooperative style of politics because proportional representation let's make no bones about it it does lead to coalitions um but i i, I think coalitions are good because it, under our current system no government or at least not for donkey's years, has got over 50% of the vote. So why should they run the country as if they've got a majority within the country? Um, so, so I think having coalitions means you're far more likely to get a government that is elected, or at least if it's a truly proportional system, you'd be pretty much guaranteed it, you, to have a, a, a government that's elected that actually represents around about um, 50% of the population. I, I, obviously, it's not ideal. You want to represent everyone as such, but let's be real, that's that's not going to happen. Um, so, so I think that is a, a really strong policy for proportional representation. But universal basic income, for some of the reasons I mentioned earlier, um, in, in terms of um, kind of tackling the root causes of a lot of evils within society, but also because I think it's just a it's a truly liberal policy, universal basic income, because it's not saying to people or, or yeah, so it's not saying to people um, this is how you should spend your money. It's saying we're going to give you a safety net, but we're going to leave it up to you how you want to spend that money and how you want to try and improve your life with that. And I've got uh I'm not under any illusion that some people will waste that money. Let's be honest. It's it's human nature, but there will be some people that use it for what it's designed to be, um, which is a, a liberating tool, which kind of allows you to to retrain, allows you to say, no, I don't want to do that job. I, I want to do something that I actually feel fulfilled with or, or things like this, you know? So, so I, I think universal basic income is really, really strong policy in there as well trying to pick between the two um i think really the the one that's really going to shake things up and and really improve people's lives more would be universal basic income but uh, i would also want to see pr not long after that anyway uh what about you george what what policy there would you want to see well, implemented I, well it was nice to see that you you didn't actually really give a precise answer there you you still were on the fence as a uh, I said universal basic income, my first one, would oh, be right. the first one I wanted implemented, but obviously I'd want PR eventually. Obviously I wasn't listening. No, um, <laughs> so out of those options, I decided to put in uh, more funding for social care because for me, it's something that is really important. I believe there, is, there hasn't been enough funding uh, for social care for a very long time. and Our population is getting a lot older now and we are starting to realize that we are struggling to look after those that most need our help um and it, it's an absolute shame and i think if we start funding in it now then when we get to that age where we need to rely on that social care element of funding it will be there and also we we can start helping those that where the funding is lacking with the funding it, it can come with reform and it can come with um, better facilities and help for people and i think it is so important that we are um, making sure that that is a policy that is implemented um, as callum said proportional representation I also believe it is a very important thing. Um, I think it's something that is, it, we we in this country like to go on about how we are democratic, but I don't believe how, I don't believe that we can actually 
stand there and say that we are a democratic society when we don't have true representation in the Houses of Commons. Um, and, and I think that's bad when we are a 21st century country and we should be a modern country that has representation for all. Um, and because of that, I, I, I do think it's important but I wouldn't put it as my number one point. I would yeah. put funding uh, for social care as my number one point. As my second point, though, because um, I'd put proportional representation in third, but as my second point, I would put protecting the NHS from privatisation. And okay. why? Because I fear that, and like I said earlier in the show, I don't. I haven't read the Brexit Party's manifesto, but... The very far right wing's ideology is that we should privatise the NHS and there are elements of the NHS that we should really, really privatise. And it's not good enough. And I do fear that because we are seeing the rise of parties like the Brexit Party coming in uh, force, it, it means that these policies might actually could be implemented. And you know, if from last week's show, when, when we were discussing if there was a general election, what is the most likely outcome? And if there was a most likely outcome of a Brexit party and a Conservative um, party governed by Boris Johnson, I seriously fear that there could be discussions around the privatisation of the NHS. And I, if that happened, I would honestly struggle to actually be a um a conservative voter and a conservative member if i am honest with you um so that is why for me it really truly needs to be there because it is an asset of our country and we are very very lucky to have it lowered tuition fees yes incredibly important and i do believe they should be dropped to seven thousand five hundred pounds a year do i think we should get rid of them altogether no i don't um and universal basic income like I said, it's a fantastic thing in in principle, but if it was implemented, I don't actually think it would wreak any benefits at all. I don't believe. Any. Well, of course there would be benefits, but I I just don't believe there is that. Uh, I don't know. I just don't believe that it would be that fantastic as maybe it is perceived to be. Um, and it would take so much work for us to to get there, and so much funding for us to get there. When at the moment we don't have the money as it is. Um, and I just don't see how by us spending out that money, we would ever get that money back. Um, when um, Jamal earlier in the show quite rightly said, the amount it would cost is what the current taxpayer is paying right now. So it's, it would be a struggle to balance the books. Um, so, so yeah, that, that is, that is where I stand. Um, more funding for social care, then protect the NHS and then uh, proportional representation. Okay, interesting. I mean, so in terms of protecting the NHS, George, I think we've we've talked about in the past that that you're in favour of some limited privatisation <laughs> of the NHS, though, aren't you? So, so why do you want to protect the NHS from that if you're in favour of it? I think. Uh... As I have always said on the show, I mean, if you ever wanted to go back to all the recordings, you could. Um, I, <laughs> have, I have said on the show that I, I believe that the NHS needs to be reformed because it cannot go forward in the current position that it is in because it is outdated and it needs to modernise. And I think the only way that can be that that can happen is be, is by privatising certain elements of the NHS. I fear that when I read privatisation of the NHS, that means the whole of privatisation of the NHS yeah. going into a system like America does. But I don't see there is any problem that we start privatising certain areas where we are um, 
handing out drugs willy-nilly for free and things like that when it, it's not necessary and there are certain reforms that could save us a lot of money and yes if that means we have to privatize it then so be it but if we can raise enough money by privatizing then i don't see why in the future we can't then go back to taking that privatization away and making it um state owned again um so that is that is my opinion but do you do you seriously think if if what party do you think would be the most likely to put one of these policies forward? Do you think all of these policies that we've kind of mentioned here, do you think they're quite um, left of the spectrum? Do you think it would only be a Lib Dem or a Labour-led government that would we would see these implemented? Um, I think more funding for social care, the Conservative might look to implement. Um, kind of, I'm gonna. This is gonna sound like quite cynical, but obviously a lot of Conservative voters are. are more elderly voters so therefore that's going to be quite a vote winner you would think and, and trying to shore that up against maybe the threat from the brexit party um i think in terms of the other policies i mean protecting the nhs from privatization i think every party pays lip service to that anyway uh, i think probably if we're looking at who's going to do that most strenuously realistically it's probably labor or the green party uh lower intuition fees it, it's possibly Conservative Party policy now to look into that. Um, George, well, maybe you can help me out. It, uh, it depends who gets in to be our next leader. Under Jeremy Hunt, yes, they would be lowered. Under right. uh, Boris Johnson, I doubt they would even be touched. Right, I see, I see. Um, so, I mean, you can see, though, that a right or left-wing government might well do that. Uh, universe basic income, I think at this point in time, uh, the only parties that is actually got that as policy is the green party um but i think the lib dems will be not too far away as well and then labor not long after that uh proportional representation is just the green party lib dems um and then obviously some of the nationalist parties but in terms of the whole of uk ones maybe the brexit party's pro pr but i haven't actually had a chance to look okay that's fair yeah so uh kind of who do you what who i always do that um <laughs> What do you think, uh, what policy do you think is going to come out on top in this poll? I think probably protect the NHS from privatisation. What about you, George? Um, that or lower tuition fees. You can't hedge your bets, George. You told me off for that earlier. Yeah, but maybe I'm more of a Lib Dem than I realised. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, was, I was slightly sick in my mouth there. I was sick as well. <laughs> So lovely. Um, right. OK, so remember to vote on this. Uh, which of these policies would you want to be implemented? And the options are lower tuition fees, protect the NHS from privatisation, universal basic income, more funding for social care, proportional representation in the UK for general elections. And you can do that on wizardradio.co.uk for watch us listen. We'll be back incredibly soon. Hello and welcome back. So before that break, we asked the question, which of these policies would you want to be implemented? And you guys have been voting away and the results have just come in. So lower tuition 
fees got 33%. Protect the NHS from privatisation got 21%. Universal basic income got 28%. More funding for social care got 15%. And proportional representation in UK general elections got 3%. So Callum, I got it kind of right with lower tuition fees. Um, but other than that, we got it a little bit wrong. Uh, yeah, 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 no, we did. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite surprised, to be fair, though, that uh, universal basic income um, was as high as what it was. Um, so I'm, I'm quite pleased with that, in a sense. But I'm, I am very surprised that um, protecting the NHS from privatisation only got 21%, to be honest, because as I said, I thought that'd be top or at least second, if not. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's it's quite interesting because it's the first time we've had a poll where it's really, really different options. Um, and it obviously split the vote on quite a few things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there'll be a lot of people that would want multiple of these options to happen. Yeah. Probably. Right then time to move on to our fourth discussion of this evening. And we are asking, do you prefer hot or cold weather? So in the words of Jay and Neil from the in-betweeners, it's hot might be too hot. High temperatures by the UK standards have swept the country this week with many people having barbecues or heading to the beach to capitalise on the sky high temperatures this weekend. However, just as many people have been complaining about a good dose of weather, wishing for it to be winter all over again. George, what do you think? Do you prefer hot or cold weather? Well, I mean, it's the typical British thing, isn't it? When it's too cold, we moan. And when it's too hot, we moan. Yes. Um, so I, I think uh, it's really hard. I personally think um, I prefer hot weather because I, I like being able to go outside. I like being able to, it's gonna, this is going to sound really poncy, but I like to go outside and <laughs> drive with the roof down on my car. Um, and I and I just enjoy a bit having that heat and being able to go and have a beer in a in a in a, in a garden in a short sleeve shirt and shorts. It's just really nice. Um, but I suppose in a way I do like the cold because it means I can have really nice um, evenings in, have the fire on, watch a nice film, um, have an excuse not to go out. Um, and, and and if it snows, I get to build snowmen, which is a great pastime. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, I, but ultimately, I'd say hot weather. I mean, I am a summer baby. My birthday is in July, so I've always been lucky that it's uh, my birthday's always been in the summer holidays and it's been very sunny. So um, I naturally, I suppose, am warming to I see what I did there, warming to hot weather. Um, so uh, so, yeah, definitely hot weather for a hot person. What 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 are your thoughts, Callum? Oh, I disagree with that last part, George. Um, but no, I, I mean the the hot weather. Uh, I I do prefer that personally because uh, I, I like, as you say, George. I think it opens up you to to have more activities to be done. You you know the. I mean, it was quite windy to be fair. But the other day, me me and you obviously went um, down to the White Cliffs of Dover, and we just had a I had a walk <laughs> along there. Uh, I mean, obviously, as I said, it was very windy, and maybe on second thoughts, we might not have gone if we'd have known how windy it would be. But if it was if it was in the middle of winter, we just wouldn't categorically have been able to go there. So it just opened you up to new things to be able to be done. Um, however, I would say that I do like the clothes you can wear during the colder weather. Uh, like I like wearing jumpers and and I like wearing like long sleeve shirts and stuff like that. I, I prefer them as as clothing as such than like shorts and and uh, t-shirts and stuff like that. Although I do like wearing them, but that's more just for the fact that it's really hot and if not i'd be sweating buckets 
Um, so I, I think in general, though, hot weather is better, even if the clothing for cold weather is marginally better. I mean, that honestly, that really surprised me because everybody, Callum is one of the um, somebody that gets hot so easily and moans, and moans when it's too hot. I mean, if you go into his room, he's got about 50 fans on. He's got his windows open. I mean, you can hear the seagulls right now because his windows are probably wide open. Um, and and <laughs> I are. think he would... I think he would be very happy sitting in a ice bath, but with the sun on him. I think it's because you would rather get a tan and feel cold. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like getting a tan and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that's why I say hot weather because it's with the thing that I live right by the sea, so I can just go True. in and see if True. I'm too hot. Yeah. Right then, we've reached time to go on to our final song break of this evening, but don't forget to vote on this poll. Do you prefer hot or cold weather? Uh, so the options obviously are hot or cold <laughs> and you can do that with radio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back very soon hello and welcome back so before the break we asked do you prefer hot or cold weather and 68% of you have said you prefer hot weather compared to 32% of you that have said you prefer cold weather. George, I mean, no real surprises there, is there? Given how nice the weather is at the moment, I think maybe it might sway people anyway. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was just thinking it would be a very different, uh, probably, answer if it is, do you prefer the hot tap or the cold tap? <laughs> um, would it? I think so. I mean... You want cold water. You don't want hot water when you drink, do you? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, but I thought if we're washing our hands, I don't want to wash them with cold water, do I? I want to wash them with hot water. Yeah, I wash them in the pond. <laughs> well, uh, that that doesn't surprise me at all, George, to be honest. Sa- saving the planet, mate. Saving the planet. Very good work, George. Although you're, like, knocking out a duck's home or something like that. So it's not, <laughs> it's not really saving the planet, is it, George? Right then, uh, on that bombshell, uh, thanks very much for listening to To Be Discussed with Cup and Girl. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As mentioned earlier, for the first segment of next week's show, we'd like to hear your thoughts on the question, should we hold to account historical figures based upon today's values and why? You could do that by sending us an email to station at wizardradio.co.uk or through Twitter, that's at wizradio. So remember, the question is, should we hold to account historical figures based upon today's values and why? And we're really looking forward to hearing your opinions next week. But it's now time for Callum and I to be leaving. So, as always, I've been the hot, loving weather George Lawrence Cup. And I've also been the hot, loving weather Callum Gurr. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week for another episode of To Be Discussed. Goodbye, guys. Ciao for now. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.